If you've been with us the last several weeks, you know that we've been walking through John's gospel and seeing Jesus having encounters with a number of different people. In John chapter 1, we saw how Jesus encountered his first disciples. In John chapter 3, we see how Jesus encountered Nicodemus. In John chapter 4, we saw how Jesus encountered the woman at the well. In John chapter 5, we learned about Jesus' encounter with the religious leaders. And today, from John chapter 6, we see how Jesus encounters the crowds. And when people encounter Jesus, they don't remain the same. They're changed profoundly at some level. Even if they reject him, Jesus impacts them profoundly. So we're going to talk about today this idea of Jesus being the bread for the life, bread of life. And if you're taking notes today, the title of the message is simply Bread for the Hungry. So can we pause for a moment and just ask the Lord's help in the next few minutes? Lord, would you meet with us this morning? Would you guard our hearts from distraction? Would you help us to hear what you would have us to hear? Lord, I pray that today you would be bread for our hungry souls. I pray that our appetites would be wet and I pray that we would long for bread that doesn't quit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, human beings are acquainted with hunger, as I said, but we're not just wired for physical hunger. We're also wired for spiritual hunger. And it's not surprising then, knowing who Jesus is, that Jesus refers to himself repeatedly in this passage as the solution for humanity's hunger. Just look down through the passage with me if you would. John 6, verse 32. My Father gives you true, what's it say? bread from heaven. Verse 33, for the of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 35, I am the of life. John 6, 41, I am the that came down from heaven. John 6, 48, I am the of life. Verse 51, I am the living that came down from heaven. Good grief. It's like Jesus is trying to make a point or something, right? Bread, 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 bread. I am the bread. I am the bread. I am the bread that you're looking for. So why does the Savior put so much emphasis on the fact that he is the bread of life? Why is this note struck over and over and over again in this passage? I think the idea is simply this. Though everyone knows they're hungry, not everyone knows where to find bread. Don't you feel that? Right now, don't you in your heart feel that hunger just a little bit? Aren't you hungry for something more? Aren't you hungry for life and significance and meaning? Isn't there in your heart a longing, a desire, a need for something greater than yourself? The fact is that people in our culture have a deep hunger It's not hard. It's not hard to observe that. You just have to watch TV for an hour, go out and spend an hour at your workplace. You know that people are hungry. The problem is, is oftentimes they're looking for food in all the wrong places. Some hunger to be loved. So they plunge themselves into relationship after relationship. 
Or they make family anything and everything. It is their God in one sense. Family rules the day. Some hunger for prestige. So they tirelessly climb the corporate ladder or carefully curate their appearance or their image on social media. They want to be loved. They want to be known. They want to be, have others like them. So they are incessant in this pursuit. Some hunger for escape. So they immerse themselves in their favorite sports teams or binge out on Netflix or flip incessantly through Instagram. Some hunger for pleasure, so they constantly search for the next fantastic trip or the next amazing restaurant or the greatest and latest experience or gadget. It is not that any of these things are intrinsically wrong or sinful, but it illustrates to us that there is a hunger for significance and joy in every human heart. The trouble is, no matter how incredible the vacation no matter how perfect the photo, no matter how big the pay raise, amazing the date, or how well the stock market is doing, none of those things ever quite fill us up, do they? They never quite fill us up. And this, this is why Jesus' words in John chapter 6 are so important. You see, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, it's not just a statement, it's an invitation. I am the bread of life and Jesus is inviting us to eat of him. Let me unpack that for a minute for you. What does that mean to eat Jesus in one sense? Well, when you or I eat food, we are looking for that food to do something for us, aren't we? When you eat a donut, you are looking for that donut to bring you what? What would you say? Pleasure. Joy. Don't say nutrition because you're fooling yourself, right? <laughs> if you're one of these persons that pray before you eat the donut, bless this food to my body, that is not a prayer that's going to be answered, friends. I'm sorry. When you eat a donut, you're looking for it to bring you joy and experience of pleasure. When you eat trail mix or grilled chicken, what are you looking for it to do? Maybe give you strength. Some protein, get that in you, and I, I need some strength. When you eat a superfood, like spinach or kale, what are you looking for it to do for you? I don't know either, right? Yeah. yeah. Make you super? I don't know. Give you x-ray vision? I'm not sure, but I've eaten them. I still can't fly. I'm really disappointed. You get the point? When you eat food, you're saying to that food, basically, like, I trust you, food, to do something for me. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, it's as if he is saying to us, just as you trust physical food to do something physical for you, trust in me, the bread of life, to do something spiritually for you. When Jesus is saying to us, I am the bread of life, he's inviting you to partake of the spiritual life that he has eaten me. Eat me and you will have something done for you that you cannot do for yourself. To put it simply, by calling himself the bread, it's one way Jesus is saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me? And that's really the point this morning. We must trust in Jesus. 
We must trust in him. Just like we trust in physical food, food to satisfy our hunger, we need to trust in the bread, the spiritual food to satisfy our spiritual hunger. So you might say, okay, Ryan, I'm with you, but why Jesus in particular? Like, what does Jesus do for us? Or why should we trust in Jesus as spiritual food? Well, I'm so glad you asked those questions because that's exactly what John chapter 6 is about. And I want to observe this morning, Lord willing, arising from the text, three reasons why you should trust in the bread of life or the benefits of the bread of life. Number one is simply this. You should trust in Jesus because he satisfies. The context of our passage is very important. Early in the chapter, Jesus had just miraculously fled a massive crowd, the feeding of the 5,000 with fish and barley loaves, just a few fish, a few small loaves of bread. He feeds this massive congregation. The result was that they wanted to make him king right there on the spot. But Jesus, knowing that it wasn't his time yet, slipped away. How did he do it? By walking across the Sea of Galilee. Kids, do not try this at home. So he's like, I got to get away from these folks. I'll just go out and walk on the water. So he goes across the Sea of the Galilee. The people realize that he's gone and undeterred. They, they chase him down and they cross the Sea of Galilee by more conventional ways. Boat. Go figure. That was a better way to do it. When the masses finally caught up with him, Jesus responds in a very surprising way. So here they are. They like heard Jesus teach. He's fed them. He goes across the Sea of Galilee. They chase after him. You would think Jesus would be like, hey, look at these people. They're really eager to hear from me and learn. But when they get there, Jesus rebukes them. Verse number 26. Truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that it perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. You see, Jesus knew the crowd was not hungry for him. They were just hungry. They didn't really want the bread. They just wanted bread. They wanted to make, they wanted Jesus to make bread that would satisfy them, when in reality, Jesus was the bread that would satisfy them. But Jesus' rebuke leaves the crowd undeterred. I mean, these people are committed. They, they don't even bat an eye when Jesus says, hey, look, don't look for bread that perishes. Look at verse number 30. What sign then are you going to do that we may see and believe you? Verse 31. Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, just as is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. If I could offer a rough translation, here's what I think is going on here. Jesus, we like what you're doing here. Can you perform a miracle to prove to us that we should really trust you? Oh, 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 we got an idea. Back in the Old Testament time, uh, God made bread come down from heaven. Why don't you do that trick? We would really like that one. Jesus attempts to redirect them again. Verse 32, truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He's saying, you're looking for the wrong bread. 
Essentially, Jesus says, what you should be looking for is right in front of you. The crowd that day was fixated on bread to satisfy their physical hunger, but what they could not and would not see was that Jesus was offering them better bread that would satisfy them on an even more fundamental level. You want me to make bread for you when I am bread for you. Jesus came not simply to give us bread, but to be our bread, friends. Jesus didn't just come to give us bread. He came to be our bread. But we're four were too hard on Jesus's audience that day. We must admit that we too are often captured by lesser breads, are we not? Do you ever find yourself chasing after lesser breads? Think about it for a moment. How often do we doggedly pursue money or comfort, or prestige, or security, believing once I achieve blank, you fill it in, then I'll be content. If only I could blank, fill it in, then I'll be fulfilled. When people see me as blank, then I'll really be satisfied. And so we can't stop We won't stop. We wear ourselves out with our frantic pace, dissatisfied, frenetic lives, and we wear it as a badge of honor, brothers and sisters. We run, 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 and chase after everything. And as Solomon says, it's just a chasing after a wind because we can't ever catch it. And then you ask someone, what's going on? Hey, what's going on with you? Number one answer, if I was Steve Harvey, I'd point up, survey said, busy. Why? Because we're chasing after breads, and every time we get that bread, it's not enough. We're still hungry. It's not enough. It's still hungry. I need more. I need more. I need more. I need more. Fill my schedule more. Fill my plate more. Run, 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 run. Burn the candle at both ends. That burn the candle itself. Because I'm not satisfied. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And we're looking for bread in all the wrong places. Jesus' message to the crowd that day and to us that this day is the same things. We are not built to be satisfied by lesser breads. Nothing can satisfy you apart from the bread of life. Do you want to be satiated? Do you want to be full? Stop fooling around with things apart from Christ because they won't fill you up. They're like rice cakes, for Pete's sakes. In recent years, one of the most polarizing and dominant figures in sports has been the quarterback for the New England Patriots by the name of who? Tom Brady. From virtually all angles, Brady appears to be wildly successful. He has multiple Super Bowl rings. He has MVP awards, extreme wealth, a beautiful family, and is regarded by many as the greatest quarterback of all time, except for in Atlanta, of course, where he is viewed as the epitome of all evil. (laughs) But in spite of all this, in spite of all of Brady's successes, in a 60 minutes 
interview on 2017, Tom Brady commented on his feelings about life and he said this shocking statement. There has to be more than this. The guy's got everything. Everything this world could offer and what does he say? I'm still hungry. These lesser breads don't fill me up. I'm rich, I'm famous, I'm wildly successful, and I'm hungry. How could someone seemingly who has it all say such a thing? We weren't built for lesser bread. As C.S. Lewis says, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Jesus' message to the crowd and to us is this. Don't buy the lie that anything in this world will satisfy you. I alone can do that. I am the bread of life. Trust in me and you will never be hungry again. Listen, young adult, listen carefully. Your new career cannot satisfy you. No matter how successful, no matter how well your peers think of you, no matter how many promotions you get, no matter how big that bank account grows, that will not satisfy you. Look to the bread of life. Single or newly married, that relationship or potential relationship cannot satisfy you. It's good. It's a blessing. Pursue it, enjoy it, but it's not the bread of life. It will not fill you up. Your spouse or romantic interest will disappoint you. They're not Jesus. Look to the bread of life. Parent, your child's achievements cannot satisfy you. No matter how well your kid is doing, in school, in athletics, in college, in their career. That will not satisfy you. Look to the bread of life. Midlifer, the fancy car, the fat retirement, the time for relaxation cannot satisfy you. These may be good things. They may be blessings. But look to the bread of life until Christ is enough, church. Nothing else will be. Until Jesus is enough for you, nothing else will be. And so when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's saying, eat of me, trust in me. I alone can satisfy. That's why we should look to him. Number two, not only does Jesus satisfy Oh, blessed thought, he saves. He saves. Jesus calls people to trust in him because he alone can offer salvation. Look at verse 35. I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me and yet you do not believe Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. So what is that will? 
What is the will that Jesus came to do? Verse 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those that he should, has given to me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So Jesus came to give eternal life to everyone who would believe in him. Simply put, Jesus came to save. That's what he came to do. Just as physical bread gives physical life to those who partake of it, so spiritual bread gives spiritual life to those who partake of it. So how is this salvation achieved? How did Jesus give eternal life to those who would believe? Verse 51. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. In other words, the way that Jesus would become bread in his people would be by laying down his life on the cross. He would die. Look, when you eat physical bread or physical food, in one sense, it has to die in order to nourish you, right? Like you take in that food and what happens? You destroy it. You chew it up. Your body digests it. It pulls all the nutrients out. It, it, it sucks the life out of the food, right? That's really what happens when we eat. And Jesus is basically saying, I'm bread. And when you eat me, it's because I've given myself for you. I've sacrificed myself for you. The way that Jesus offers his life to you and I is by giving his life up in our place. Jesus died so that we could live. Then he gives the most shocking metaphor, maybe in the Bible. Look at verse number 51. Truly I tell you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day because my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I and him just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Yikes. I mean, it sounds like Jesus is teaching a doctrine of cannibalism here. That's not what he's doing. What I believe Jesus is saying is that if you want the life he offers, you must trust in him completely. It's as if you are eating him. Well, think about it this way for a moment. Suppose you were on a desert island and you were food deprived and you were on the very brink of death. You had no hope of living in and of your own resources. But somehow, miraculously, just moments before you breathed your last, bread and water were set before you. In that moment, you're, you're on the brink of death. On that moment when you ate the bread and you drink the water, in a sense, you would be making this confession. 
I have no resources in myself to survive. I'm bankrupt. I am unable to live on my own. If I am to survive, I need something outside of me to give me the strength and nourishment and life that I need to live. I need this food to become part of me because I don't have any life in and of myself. And that's what Jesus is saying. When we come to him as the bread of life, we are essentially saying, I'm bankrupt. I have no resources in me. I have no ability to make myself live. I can't take another breath. I can't take another step. The only way that I will survive if I go outside of myself, depend on that thing that is outside of myself, and take it into myself. And when I take this thing into myself, it is that thing that is giving me spiritual life. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came to give us the life that we couldn't get on our own. He came to be your bread. He came to save you, to rescue you, because apart from him, you were dead, you were damned, you would starve to death. Jesus came to be the bread that we had no resources to get for ourselves. Look, let me say this very simply. There is no spiritual life apart from spiritual bread. Maybe that seems self-evident, but that's the reality. Like, you can't live without Jesus. You can't. Jesus is saying, if you desire salvation, your love, your life must be so bound up in my life. Our lives must be so intertwined. You must be so dependent on me. It's like you ate my flesh and drank my blood. It's that close of connection. You are that dependent on me. All right? So we should trust in Jesus, one, because he's, he's satisfied, two, because he saves, and three, because he sustains. Jesus highlights one more point. Look at verse 35. I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will, what's the word? Okay, say it with a little more conviction. One more time. Be hungry. And no one who believes in me will. Okay, my feelings are starting to get hurt. So let's try again. No one who believes in me will be thirsty again. There we go. Thank you, Rob. Consistently throughout the passage, Jesus emphasizes the life that he gives is not temporary, but eternal. He drives the point home by contrasting himself with the manna. Remember the story of manna? If you grew up in Sunday school, God, the children of Israel, wandering in the desert. God sent bread from heaven. It would show up on the ground. They would gather it every day, and they would eat it for a day. And so Jesus contrasts himself with that manna. How does he do it? Look at verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so anyone may eat of it and not die. Verse 58. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna your ancestors ate, and they died. The one who eats of this bread will live forever. In the Old Testament, when the people of God ate manna, waiting to enter the promised land, um, they still died. I mean, this bread was from heaven, but it wasn't the bread from heaven. And Jesus is like, you guys been begging me for manna. 
And I'm telling you, you have too high opinion of manna and too low opinion of me. It's essentially what Jesus is saying to him. You want manna, and I'm saying I got something better than manna, and you're saying give us manna. And Jesus is like, no, I love you too much to give you manna. You don't need manna because when you eat manna, you'll just die. Look, when they went and got manna, they gathered it for a day, and then it rotted, right? But Jesus will never rot. He went to the grave and came out unscathed. When, when they ate manna, they got to the brink of the promised land and the manna ran out, right? But the bread from heaven, it will never run out. You know, we sing the song, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining out of the sun, what? We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Why? Because we eat the bread that keeps us alive forever. You know, when they had manna, when they had manna, it didn't even ensure that they were changed because what was true of most of the children of Israel? Man, they were scoundrels. Most of them died out in the desert because they didn't love God. But when we eat the bread of life, it changes us on a fundamental level and not only allows us to live, but it gives us the life of Christ in us and begins to change us fundamentally. Look, here's the unbelievably good news. Though manna could not sustain, Jesus can. If you trust in Jesus, oh, this is more precious probably to some of you who are older or have walked with Jesus for a longer time, but it should be a precious truth to every single one of us. For those of you that have experienced like a brush with death or have felt the weakness of your flesh, listen to this word. If you have trusted in Jesus because he is the bread of life, you will make it to the finish line. You'll hit the tape. As the Apostle Paul says, you'll finish your course. You'll be able to run your race because spiritual bread, the bread of heaven doesn't run out. Man, you, you ever ask the question like, am I gonna make it? My heart's such a mess. Am I really gonna make it? I remember several years ago, and um, there was a lady, she was on her deathbed, literally on her deathbed. Um, she thought she was going to die in moments. And um, she ended up living a little bit longer. But in that moment, she thought she was going. And I was standing there at her bedside, and I was holding her hand. And uh, she said, Pastor, I can't remember anything right now. I'm so confused. Like she, her thoughts and mine were all over the place. And I just looked at this sister in Christ and I said, Teresa, do you remember Jesus? And she said, oh, I won't ever forget him. And then I basically said to her, essentially, if you're trusting in Christ, you have life. Jesus has never failed his people. He's not going to start now, brothers and sisters. He's not going to quit. He sustains his people. The bread, if you eat this bread, you are going to make it. Listen again. If you have doubts, listen again to the words of the Savior. I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Verse 37, 
everyone the Father gives to me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. Verse number 39, I should lose none of those that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. Verse number 40, everyone who sees the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 47, truly I say to you, anyone who believes has eternal life. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. The one who eats my flesh, verse 54, and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 56, the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Verse 58, the one who eats this bread will live forever. This is not wishful thinking of the eternal optimist. This is not the fingers crossed mentality of a speculator. This is the promise of the king of kings and lord of lords, the conqueror of death and hell, the undisputed lord of your salvation. And he has a hold of you and he has never dropped anybody. He will hang on to you. He will sustain you. He will hold you fast. Look, your salvation is not based on your hold to Jesus, but rather his hold on you. And that is good news. Because all of us, all of us face valleys of despair. There are times in all of our hearts where we wonder if we're going to make it. Are we going to keep believing are we going to keep walking with Jesus? Brothers and sisters, if you've truly eaten the bread of life, it will sustain you forever, forever and ever. And what does eternal life mean? It means eternal life. You got it and it can't go away or else it wouldn't be eternal. He is hanging on to you right now. Where does this leave us? Man, what do we do with this fact that Jesus is the bread of life? I think the passage itself gives us a clue. After Jesus spoke these words, the Bible tells us, verse number 60. When many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? In other words, some rightly understood that Jesus was calling them to renounce their other hopes for satisfaction. To renounce all their reliance on themselves and trust wholly on Jesus as their bread. And they found it incredibly difficult. Maybe that's where you are this morning. You hear this call to the exclusivity of Christ. Trust in Jesus and nothing else. Trust in him and him alone. And, and in your heart, you're like, that's hard. That feels judgmental. That feels narrow. That feels non-open-minded. Maybe that's you right now, and you're saying, man, I, I have a difficult time embracing this idea that Jesus is the bread of life. I'm okay with him being a bread of life, but the bread of life, I, I struggle with that idea. You know what? If that's you, I'm really grateful you're here this morning. I really am. We want you here. We want you to explore these ideas with us and consider the claims of Jesus. Some heard what Jesus said and they walked away. And that's sad, but that's a reality. 
because no one can trust in Jesus for you, not your friends, not your parents. No one can do this work of trusting in the Savior on your behalf. I would ask you all to carefully consider how are you going to respond to Christ? But that wasn't everybody. Not everybody walked away on that day. Look at verse, or I'm sorry, look at verse 66. Look at what they did. From that moment, many of disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. Hmm. But there was another group. Verse number 67. So Jesus said to the 12, you want to go away too? In other words, all these people left. He turns to the disciples and he says, you guys out? Is that hard? Peter, speaking as their spokesman, said this, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. To paraphrase Peter, yes, Jesus Man, every time we get this big crowd following us, you turn around and give the eat my flesh and drink my blood speech. I don't get it. And it's hard. It's hard to trust in just you. Where are we going? We know who you are. We know that you alone can save us. Where would we go? All those lesser breads, we tried them. They're no good. It's like ash in our mouth. It's just gone. You have the eternal, the words of eternal life. We would starve without you. There's no other bread out there. We need you. So gospel hope, how about you? What are you going to do? Will you hear these hard words of Jesus and say, man, that's tough and walk away. Man, that's up to you. You're free to do that. Or will you hear these hard words of Jesus? Trust in me and me alone. Stop chasing after the other breads. Trust in me alone and I will save you and I will keep you to the very end. And will you say, that's tough. I like to be my own king and you're, you're saying that you got to be my king. That's tough because... I can't chase after my own priorities over more. You, you've got to be my top priority. That's hard. But where else am I going to go? Because I want to live forever. And there's no other bread in this world. So friends, which group will you fall in this morning? Those who walked away or said, where will we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. I pray that gospel hope would be a church filled with people who are consistently trusting in Jesus, saying there's no bread. There's no bread outside of him. Let me give you three words of application this morning. Simply this. Number one, eat the bread. Man, if you've never eaten the bread of life, can't see it, but Jesus is inviting you to trust him right now. I would encourage you this morning, trust in Christ. He will satisfy you. He will save you and he will sustain you. Here's how the prophet Isaiah put it. Come, 
Come, everyone who is thirsty. Come to the water, and you without silver, come and buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. Why do you spend silver on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and you will enjoy the choicest of food. Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call on him while he is near. Jesus is offering you bread right now. Eat it. Say, I don't have no money. Good. Because he doesn't want payment. He paid the price for you. He will give you the bread of life now if you will come to him and trust in him. So, So my friends, have you trusted in the bread of life? Have you trusted in it? And if you haven't, will you do so now, right now? You don't need to climb a mountain or walk an aisle or anything. You just need to say, Jesus, you're my only hope of salvation, and I need you. And in that moment, you will have the bread of life that will satisfy your soul. Maybe you've already trusted in the bread of life. Second thing I'd encourage you this morning is this. Share the bread. And if this bread is so good, shouldn't we be giving it to other people? Man, I have a note of celebration here, right here this morning. So if you look up on the screen, I think we have a photo. Um, many of you know Kelvin. Kelvin's one of our staff members here at Gospel Hope. And right now he is over in London, England on a missions trip. It also happens to be his home territory. And he's having the opportunity this week to just share Christ up and down the tube station, as they call it, in London. And... Um, This photo was actually taken this morning. So Kelvin leading the group in Bible study as they get out and get ready to go and share Christ. Man, we are the cruelest people in the world if we've tasted the goodness of the bread of life and we hoard it. We are misers. So brothers and sisters, if you've tasted that the bread is sweet, share it with someone. They may not like it. That's okay, that's up to them but you know is good. Share it with them. Let's be a people that share the bread. And thirdly, and appropriately this morning, we're going to close by remembering the bread. And one of the things that the Lord has given us as a church as a way to remember Christ's sacrifice is what we call the Lord's table. We're going to do that this morning. I felt it was appropriate in a passage like John chapter 6. And as our team comes and, and takes up their spot, here's how we do it at Gospel Hope. If you've trusted in Jesus, if you know him as your savior, you've turned from your sins and are trusting in the bread of life alone as your hope of salvation, we invite you this morning to participate with us as a way to remember that sacrifice that was made, that Jesus was, in a sense, he allowed himself to be ground up and made into bread so that we could eat him and live. This is a way we remember this, by eating the bread and drinking the cup. So if you've trusted in Jesus, we invite you to participate. If you've never trusted in Jesus, I would just encourage you very kindly to just pass this by. This is a time for those who have experienced the reality of the bread of life, not just those who hope to one day experience the reality of the bread of life. But if that is you, if you're curious about Jesus, man, we would sure like to have a conversation with you. Talk to somebody who's sitting there by you. Talk to Pastor Rod or myself. We would be delighted to talk to you about how you can know the bread of life personally. And here's what we do at Gospel Hope. In just a moment, uh, the team's going to begin singing here for us. And we'll start right in the back. 
And those of you in the back, if you could just come out the sides and come forward and take the bread and cup, go back to your seat. And we'd encourage you to grab somebody near you and pray with them. Grab somebody near you and pray with them and reflect on what Jesus has done. And then when we've all done that and had our bread and our cup in our hand, uh, I'll come back up at the stage. I'll lead us in prayer and we'll eat and drink together. Amen? So let me pray. And then the team will lead us here in a song. And you feel free, those of you in the back, feel free to start us out and uh, everybody will fall in line behind them. So Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the bread of life. I pray that we would stop looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. And that we would find our life in you and you alone. I pray today that even as we take the Lord's Supper, that we would remember what you have done for us. That it wouldn't just be an intellectual fact, but it would impact our hearts and change our actions. Lord, would you exalt your son in this time together? Help us to reflect and remember the bread of life and the great sacrifice he made on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together.